Section 27. The Great Events by Famous Historians. Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Great Events by Famous Historians. Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rood. Section 27. Persecution of the Christians in Gaul. A.D. 177, Part 2, by Francois P. G. Guizot. When the tyrants had thus expended and exhausted their tortures against the firmness of the martyrs sustained by Christ, the devil devised other contrivances. They were cast into the darkest and most unendurable place in their prison. Their feet were dragged out and compressed to the utmost tension of the muscles, the jailers as if instigated by a demon tried every sort of torture insomuch that several of them for whom god willed such an end died of suffocation in prison others who had been tortured in such a manner that it was thought impossible they should long survive deprived as they were of every remedy and aid from men but supported nevertheless by the grace of god remained sound and strong in body as in soul and comforted and reanimated their brethren the blessed pothinus who held at that time the bishopric of lyon being upward of ninety and so weak in body that he could hardly breathe was himself brought before the tribunal so worn with old age and sickness that he seemed nigh to extinction but he still possessed his soul wherewith to subserve the triumph of christ being brought by the soldiers before the tribunal whither he was accompanied by all the magistrates of the city and the whole populace that pursued him with hootings he offered as if he had been the very christ the most glorious testimony at a question from the governor who asked what the god of the christians was he answered if thou be worthy thou shalt know he was immediately raised up without any respect or humanity and blows were showered upon him those who happened to be nearest to him assaulted him grievously with foot and fist without the slightest regard for his age those who were farther off cast at him whatever was to their hand they would all have thought themselves guilty of the greatest default if they had not done their best, each on his own score, to insult him brutally. They believed they were avenging the wrongs of their gods. Pothinus, still breathing, was cast again into prison, and two days after yielded up his spirit. Then were manifested a singular dispensation of God and the immeasurable compassion of Jesus Christ an example rare among brethren but in accord with the intentions and the justice of the lord all those who at their first arrest had denied their faith were themselves cast into prison and given over to the same sufferings as the other martyrs for their denial did not serve them at all those who had made profession of being what they really were that is christians were imprisoned without being accused of other crimes the former on the contrary were confined as homicides and wretches 
thus suffering double punishment the one sort found repose in the honourable joys of martyrdom in the hope of promised blessedness in the love of christ and in the spirit of god the father the other were a prey to the reproaches of conscience it was easy to distinguish the one from the other by their looks the one walked joyously bearing on their faces a majesty mingled with sweetness and their very bonds seemed unto them an ornament even as the broidery that decks a bride the other with downcast eyes and humble and dejected air were an object of contempt to the gentiles themselves who regarded them as cowards who had forfeited the glorious and saving name of christians and so they who were present at this double spectacle were thereby signally strengthened and whoever among them chanced to be arrested confessed the faith without doubt or hesitation things having come to this pass different kinds of death were inflicted on the martyrs and they offered to god a crown of diverse flowers it was but right that the most valiant champions those who had sustained a double assault and gained a signal victory should receive a splendid crown of immortality the neophyte maturus and the deacon sanctus blandina and adolus then were led into the amphitheatre and thrown to the beasts as a sight to please the inhumanity of the gentiles maturus and sanctus there underwent all kinds of tortures as if they had hitherto suffered nothing or rather like athletes who had already been several times victorious and were contending for the crown of crowns they braved the stripes with which they were beaten the bites of the beasts that dragged them to and fro and all that was demanded by the outcries of an insensate mob so much the more furious because it could by no means overcome the firmness of the martyrs or extort from sanctus any other speech than that which on the first day he had uttered i am a christian after this fearful contest as life was not extinct their throats were at last cut when they alone had thus been offered as a spectacle to the public instead of the variety displayed in the combat of gladiators blandina in her turn tied to a stake was given to the beasts she was seen hanging as it were on a sort of cross calling upon god with trustful fervour and the brethren present were reminded in the person of a sister of him who had been crucified for their salvation as none of the beasts would touch the body of blandina she was released from the stake taken back to prison and reserved for another occasion adolus whose execution seeing that he was a man of mark was furiously demanded by the people came forward ready to brave everything as a man deriving confidence from the memory of his life for he had courageously trained himself to discipline and had always among us borne witness for the truth he was led all round the amphitheatre preceded by a board bearing this inscription in latin this is adolus the christian the people pursued him with the most furious hootings, but the governor, having learned that he was a Roman citizen, had him taken back to prison with the rest. 
having subsequently written to caesar he waited for his decision as to those who were thus detained this delay was neither useless nor unprofitable for then shone forth the boundless compassion of christ those of the brethren who had been but dead members of the church were recalled to life by the pains and help of the living the martyrs obtained grace for those who had fallen away and great was the joy in the church at the same time virgin and mother for she once more found living those whom she had given up for dead thus revived and strengthened by the goodness of god who willeth not the death of the sinner but rather inviteth him to repentance they presented themselves before the tribunal to be questioned afresh by the governor caesar had replied that they who confessed themselves to be christians should be put to the sword and they who denied sent away safe and sound when the time for the great market had fully come there assembled a numerous multitude from every nation and every province the governor had the blessed martyrs brought up before his judgment seat showing them before the people with all the pomp of a theatre he questioned them afresh and those who were discovered to be roman citizens were beheaded the rest were thrown to the beasts great glory was gained for christ by means of those who had at first denied their faith and who now confessed it contrary to the expectation of the gentiles those who having been privately questioned declared themselves christians were added to the number of the martyrs those in whom appeared no vestige of faith and no fear of god remained without the pale of the church when they were dealing with those who had been reunited to it one alexander a phrygian by nation a physician by profession who had for many years been dwelling in gaul a man well known to all for his love of god and open preaching of the faith took his place in the hall of judgment exhorting by signs all who filled it to confess their faith even as if he had been called in to deliver them of it the multitude enraged to see that those who had at first denied turned round and proclaimed their faith cried out against alexander whom they accused of the conversion the governor forthwith asked him what he was and at the answer i am a christian condemned him to the beasts on the morrow alexander was again brought up together with attalus whom the governor to please the people had once more condemned to the beasts after they had both suffered in the amphitheatre all the torments that could be devised they were put to the sword alexander uttered not a complaint not a word he had the air of one who was talking inwardly with god Attalus, seated on an iron seat, and waiting for the fire to consume his body, said in Latin to the people, See what ye are doing, it is in truth devouring men. As for us, we devour not men, and we do no evil at all. He was asked what was the name of God. God, said he, is not like us mortals, he hath no name. 
After all these martyrs, on the last day of the shows, Blandina was again brought up, together with a young lad named Ponticus, about fifteen years old. They had been brought up every day before that they might see the tortures of their brethren. When they were called upon to swear by the altars of the Gentiles, they remained firm in their faith, making no account of those pretended gods and so great was the fury of the multitude against them that no pity was shown for the age of the child or the sex of the woman tortures were heaped upon them they were made to pass through every kind of torment but the desired end was not gained supported by the exhortations of his sister who was seen and heard by the gentiles ponticus after having endured all magnanimously gave up the ghost blandina last of all like a noble mother that hath roused the courage of her sons for the fight and sent them forth to conquer for their king passed once more through all the tortures they had suffered anxious to go and rejoin them and rejoicing at each step toward death at length after she had undergone fire the talons of beasts and agonizing aspersion she was wrapped in a network and thrown to a bull that tossed her in the air she was already unconscious of all that befell her and seemed altogether taken up with watching for the blessings that christ had in store for her even the gentiles allowed that never a woman had suffered so much or so long still their fury and their cruelty toward the saints were not appeased they devised another way of raging against them they cast to the dogs the bodies of those who had died of suffocation in prison and watched night and day that none of our brethren might come and bury them and for what remained of the martyrs half-mangled or devoured corpses they left them exposed under a guard of soldiers coming to look on them with insulting eyes and saying where is now their god of what use to them was this religion for which they laid down their lives we were overcome with grief that we were not able to bury these poor corpses nor the darkness of night nor gold nor prayers could help us to succeed therein after being thus exposed for six days in the open air given over to all manner of outrage the corpses of the martyrs were at last burned reduced to ashes and cast hither and thither by the infidels upon the waters of the rhone that there might be left no trace of them on earth they acted as if they had been more mighty than God, and could rob our brethren of their resurrection. "'Tis in that hope, said they, that these folk bring among us a new and strange religion, that they set at naught the most painful torments, and that they go joyfully to face death. Let us see if they will rise again, if their God will come to their aid, and will be able to tear them from our hands." It is not without a painful effort that, even after so many centuries, we can resign ourselves to be witnesses in imagination only of such a spectacle. We can scarce believe that among men of the same period and of the same city so much ferocity could be displayed in opposition to so much courage, the passion for barbarity against the passion for virtue. 
nevertheless such is history and it should be represented as it really was first of all for truth's sake then for the due appreciation of virtue and all it costs of effort and sacrifice and lastly for the purpose of showing what obstacles have to be surmounted what struggles endured and what sufferings borne when the question is the accomplishment of great moral and social reforms marcus aurelius was without any doubt a virtuous ruler and one who had it in his heart to be just and humane but he was an absolute ruler that is to say one fed entirely on his own ideas very ill-informed about the facts on which he had to decide and without a free public to warn him of the errors of his ideas or the practical results of his decrees he ordered the persecution of the christians without knowing what the christians were or what the persecution would be and this conscientious philosopher let loose at lyon against the most conscientious of subjects the zealous servility of his agents and the atrocious passions of the mob the persecution of the christians did not stop at lyon or with marcus aurelius it became during the third century the common practice of the emperors in all parts of the empire from a d two hundred two to three hundred twelve under the reigns of septimius severus maximinus i decius valerian aurelian diocletian maximian and galerius there are reckoned six great general persecutions without counting others more circumscribed or less severe the emperors alexander severus philip the arabian and constantius chlorus were almost the only exceptions to this cruel system and nearly always wherever it was in force the pagan mob in its brutality or fanatical superstition added to imperial rigor its own atrocious and cynical excesses but christian zeal was superior in perseverance and efficacy to pagan persecution saint pothinus the martyr was succeeded as bishop at lyon by saint irenaeus the most learned most judicious and most illustrious of the early heads of the church in gaul originally from asia minor probably from smyrna he had migrated to gaul at what particular date is not known and had settled as a simple priest in the diocese of lyon where it was not long before he exercised vast influence as well on the spot as also during certain missions entrusted to him and among them one they say to the pope saint eleutherius at rome while bishop of lyon from a d one seventy seven to two hundred and two he employed the five-and-twenty years in propagating the christian faith in gaul and in defending by his writings the christian doctrines against the discord to which they had already been subjected in the east and which was beginning to penetrate the west in two hundred two during the persecution instituted by septimius severus saint irenaeus crowned by martyrdom his active and influential life
it was in his episcopate that there began what may be called the swarm of christian missionaries who toward the end of the second and during the third century spread over the whole of gaul preaching the faith and forming churches some went from lyon at the instigation of saint Irenaeus, others from rome especially under the pontificate of pope saint fabian himself martyred in two forty nine saint felix and saint fortunatus to valence saint ferriol to besancon saint marcellus to chalon sur seyon saint benignus to dijon saint trophimus to arles saint paul to narbonne saint saturninus to toulouse saint martial to limoges saint andial and saint privatus to the cevennes saint ostremont to clement ferrand saint gallien to tours saint denis to paris and so many others that their names are scarcely known beyond the pages of erudite historians or the very spots where they preached struggled and conquered often at the price of their lives such were the founders of the faith and of the christian church in france at the commencement of the fourth century their work was if not accomplished at any rate triumphant and when a d three twelve constantine declared himself a christian he confirmed the fact of the conquest of the roman world and of gaul in particular by christianity no doubt the majority of the inhabitants were not as yet christians but it was clear that the christians were in the ascendant and had command of the future of the two grand elements which were to meet together on the ruins of roman society for the formation of modern society the moral element the christian religion had already taken possession of souls the devastated territory awaited the coming of new peoples known to history under the general name of germans whom the romans called the barbarians End of section 27